in Luke chapter number 15. In Luke chapter number 15, uh, we started in Luke 15 last week, uh, of course, looking at the three parables that are given there in that chapter. And of course, we looked at how that each parable, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son, all are given together, and each one emphasizes a different aspect of salvation. But whenever we consider them as a whole, they show us both uh, the Father's desire and they show us the sinner's responsibility. And so we looked at how this chapter taught us concerning salvation. And so when we look at these three examples, we see that they go hand in hand together. But if you notice last week, we stopped short of the end of the story of the prodigal son because at the end of that story, we find a, another character. We find another person. If we return to the story of the prodigal son, we find that at the end of that story there is an, an additional example. Matter of fact, if you look at my uh, slide here that they're going to pop up in just a second, there you go, uh, we have the parable of the older brother. Now the Bible does not separate the older brother apart as his own parable, but in many ways that when we look at what is being displayed here, we could almost see this as yet another parable because there is a different application. The first three stories focus on the lost and found. But the end of this third story, uh, we find another angle being considered, another avenue is being explored. You see, we can all easily identify the lost. Those that don't come to church, those that live wickedly, those who've given themselves over to the devices of this world, those that pursue the wickedness of this world, we see them and we easily identify them. And many times we quickly class them as there is a prodigal. There is someone that needs to come home. We easily identify the lost, those who have left God, those that have wasted their life, those that have turned their back on His love and given themselves over to the flesh. But here in this story of the prodigal son, we find that there is another group of people who need the Savior. There is another group uh, who often uh, are blinded to their condition. They are uh, people who feel superior to the prodigal. They are people who feel that they have no need to repent. Uh, these people that we see in the example of the older brother uh, are the self-righteous. Uh, and in this story, Jesus draws our attention to them by giving us this added example on the end of the story of the prodigal son. So we're going to look, look in Luke chapter number 15. Now the entire story of the prodigal and his brother starts in verse number 11, but we're going to drop down to verse number 25 and read down through the end of the chapter the part of the story that deals with the older son. The Bible says there in verse number 25, Now as his elder son was in the field, and as he, as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing because, of course, they're celebrating the prodigal has come home. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, the music and the dancing, what's going on? And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he, the older brother, was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. 
And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, it's been good to be in your house. Lord, it's good in Sunday school. Lord, as we was able to answer some questions for the young ladies' class. And then, Lord, as we went downstairs and listened to Brother Danny's lesson, Father, and then we came into the worship service. And, Father, we was able to lift you up and glorify and praise you, Father. Lord, it's been good to be in your house. And, Father, I thank you that you allow unworthy creatures like us to worship you. And, Father, I thank you that you, you recognize and you hear our worship uh, and you enjoy our worship and Father you bless us for it and Father I thank you uh, Lord that you even acknowledge us and Father we thank you for it it's good Lord to be in your house and now Lord as we look at this passage of scripture and Lord as you reveal a very sobering truth that Father Lord there are some uh, Lord who because of their self-righteousness are unable to see their need for salvation Father I pray that you will help us uh, to reveal this truth and Lord if there's someone here uh, Father, that finds themselves, uh, uh, Lord, fitting this description. Uh, Lord, that you will convict their heart. Uh, and Lord, they'll see their need to come. And uh, Lord, and accept you as Savior, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless in the service this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, it's interesting, whenever we read of the older brother, and if you think about this, uh, you may find this to be true of yourself. Oftentimes, we read the story of the prodigal son, and we come to the older brother, and we find ourselves sympathizing uh, with the older brother. We, we, we kind of, you know, we would say, well, I get why he was upset. I, I understand what was going on. I sympathize with him. I mean, he's there in the field. He is working. He is laboring. His brother wasted his life, uh, and yet his dad is killed the a fat calf and held a party for the younger brother. And we look at that story and we're kind of like, you know, I get why he's upset. I mean, I can understand where he's coming from. But you know, whenever we sympathize with the older brother, we reveal something pretty sobering about ourselves. Because when we sympathize with the older brother, we reveal how much we still think like a fleshly human being and how little we think like a Savior. Whenever we sympathize with the older brother and we say, I get why you were upset. You've been doing all this work and nobody's recognizing you for it. Whenever we entertain those thoughts, we reveal that we still live in this sinful flesh and our minds are still entertaining the thoughts of selfishness and our minds are still entertaining the thoughts that something is owed to us, that we're still entertaining the thoughts that we deserve things. And whenever you find yourself sympathizing with the older brother and thinking that maybe the party shouldn't have been held, it ought to wake us up to recognize that we need to get intent on becoming more like Jesus. Because the father in this passage 
was glad to celebrate a sinner come home. The older brother said, why would you celebrate a wasted life? And the father said, I celebrate not a wasted life, but I celebrate a sinner come home. You see, when God put us on this earth, he put us on this earth and he gave us a space of time. And what we're supposed to do with that space of time is ensure that we are prepared for eternity. Now, it is his desire that we accept him as early as possible so that we can give our lives to living for him. But if we come to the end of our life, to the very end of our life, and our life is wasted, it's been spent on the things of this world, and we've we've not done anything to the Father, then we come down to the end of our line just as the thief on the cross with absolutely nothing else to offer. And yet in that moment, we give ourselves to the Savior. He celebrates. He rejoices. As it says in the early parables, there is a cele- more celebration in heaven uh, over one sinner that repenteth uh, than 99 just persons that need no repentance. Uh, when a sinner comes home, heaven celebrates because that is what Jesus came for. It's what he commissioned us to do uh, is to find sinners uh, and bring them to the Savior. And there is nothing that should ever hinder the celebration of a sinner coming home. Whenever I look at the elder brother, and I'm like, yeah, I get that. I mean, that is kind of a bummer, isn't it? I see that I've not yet completely adopted the Savior's mindset. So we need to be cautious sympathizing with the elder brother. And whenever we get past sympathizing with him, all of a sudden we begin to realize his problems. Yes, the older brother was at home. Yes, the older brother was laboring in the field. These things are true. But his was a self-righteous labor. His was not a labor of love. Although he stayed home, there's two brothers. One took all his living and left. The other stayed home. But both were motivated by what they could gain. Both were motivated by what they could gain. This brother who appeared just by reading the story to be the better of the two was actually, when we quit sympathizing with him, it becomes clear that he's actually a self-centered, self-righteous individual who although he is still in the field, and you'll see this as we look at the story, he is just as far from a relationship with the father as his younger brother was. Just as far just as far away from a personal relationship with the father as his younger brother was. In these stories, Jesus points out that though there are both those who stray and those who need to be brought back home, such as the sheep in the first story, the sheep strayed and the sheep needed to be brought back home. But when we look in the second parable, we see that there are also those who are still in the house, but they're separated from the father. We see the story of the coin. The coin was still in the house, but it was separated from the father. The sheep left, and the shepherd had to go find it. The coin was still in the house, but there was no relationship between the owner and the coin. And then we look at the prodigal, and we see here in the prodigal son that there is a son who strayed, and there was a son who stayed home, but both sons have no relationship with the father. 
Both need some restitution. There's a couple of, let's take a couple of moments and consider a couple of the older brother's errors. A couple of errors that he had. First, I see that this older brother was focused on the wrong thing. I see first that he was focused on possessions instead of people. He was focused on possessions instead of people. Look at verse number 30. He's talking to his father about why he's angry that they're celebrating. And he said, but as soon as this thy son was come, which, which notice that phrase, he doesn't say as soon as my brother was come, but as soon as thy son was come. He don't even want to claim him. He's so upset at him. That's extra. You can just file that away. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living. What's he upset about? He's upset about the money that was spent. He said, he said, as soon as this thy son has come, which hath devoured thy living. I do believe if the younger brother would have brought the money back, uh, the older brother wouldn't have been near as upset. Uh, he wouldn't have been near as bothered uh, that he had went and did whatever he did as long as he brought uh, the money back. Uh, he was more worried about possessions uh, than he was people. And now y'all pray for me that the Lord will keep me on track because there's a lot of rabbit trails that are really easy to run in this message. So y'all pray that the Lord keep me on track and we'll be here all day. But we see here that he was more concerned about possessions. And I'm telling you what, there are a lot of people who claim to be religious who are more concerned about material things than they are about reaching the lost. They are more concerned about their building. They're more concerned about the furniture. They're more concerned about how things are done and what they do with things than they are about reaching the lost. We see here that this young man, his first errors that he was more concerned with possessions than he was with people. Kind of reminds me of Judas. Whenever the ointment was put on Jesus' feet and Judas is all upset and said, wait, 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 do you not know how much that's worth? Why would we waste it on Jesus' feet? The older brother was more worried about possessions than he was people. Not only that, we see that he was more worried about prestige he was worried about prestige instead of mercy. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots. Dad, he's making us look bad. Dad, we shouldn't allow him back on the farm. Dad, you got a name. You're well respected. People look up to you. He shouldn't be here, Dad. And we definitely shouldn't be throwing a party for him. Dad, are you not concerned about what people think of us? Are you not concerned what people might say about us? Are you not concerned the word that's going to get out in the community about us? When this son of yours who has spent all your money on harlots has come back home and you're throwing a party for him, are you not worried about what the community's going to say? He was more worried about prestige than he was in giving mercy. You know what? A lot of people had a problem with Jesus when he was doing ministry on earth for that very same reason. They say, what is wrong with this guy? That he's eating with publicans and sinners. Now, mind you, some people misuse Jesus eating with publicans and sinners. We're going to run this little rabbit trail, just a little one. They misuse this. And they seem to indicate that because Jesus ate with publicans and sinners, that it's okay for them to live like a sinner. 
to have sinners for pals and go do sinful things because Jesus hung out with sinners. Let me just explain something to you. Jesus did not hang out with sinners as in they were his friends and who he found entertainment and fellowship with. No, Jesus ate with publicans and sinners because he had the good news of salvation and he sat down across the table from them and he explained that there was hope in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and he told them about a Savior and that's why he went to them. Now we have the other side. First you have those that want to think they can run with sinners and without judgment, but then we have the other side and we have those who will have nothing to do with sinners. Oh no, it's just us four no more. Somebody come in to the church house with the evidence of the hog pen. Remember the prodigal was eating in the hog pen? When you eat in a hog pen, it leaves a little bit of evidence. Yesterday, Myself and Joel processed a hog. We had a hog we've been fattening up. We processed that hog yesterday. And uh, I come in the house after I was done, and Melissa said, you smell like a hog. <laughs> she encouraged me to go to the shower because she didn't like that, smelling like a hog. You know what? Whenever you spend some time in the hog pen, there will be evidence that you've been in the hog pen. The hog pen in the story of the prodigal son is illustrative of the world and the wickedness of this world. And whenever someone comes in that's been living in the hog pen and they come into the church house, a lot of times it's pretty evident that they've been living in the hog pen. And what we need to do is we need to show mercy. But a lot of times there's those self-righteous folks who prefer prestige. What if? What if somebody sees them in the service? What are they going to think about our church? Look, look at the people back there giving them a hug. Why are they hugging on them? Oh, my goodness. I mean, they've got evidence of wickedness. Why would we do this? Self-righteous people are more concerned about how others see them than they are about reaching those who need help. The older brother, he was more concerned with prestige than he was with sinners being converted. He was more interested in portraying the image that he imagined for himself than he was with reaching sinners. You say, what do you mean by that? We all think we're better than we are. So that image you're trying to protect is an image that you imagine about yourself, but in truth, you're just a lost sinner in need of Jesus just like He is. And if you have accepted Christ, then you're just a sinner that's covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see here that he had an error and that he focused on possessions instead of people. He focused on prestige instead of mercy. But then we see in... Verse number 29, that he focused on pride instead of compassion. Look at verse number 29. This is He's explaining to his father why he has a problem. If you write in your Bible and you want to do this, you might want to circle these. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a friend, a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Now when we just read that argument at a glance, we're like, wow, good argument. 
But then when we stop and read it again, we realize this is pretty self-centered. This is a pretty self-centered argument. You see, pride demands to be noticed. Have you ever realized that about pride? This is why pride is such a problem, is that pride demands to be noticed. Now, now you're going to say that this is obvious, this statement I'm going to get ready to make, but it, it's, it's deep. You'll never find an humble, proud person. You'll never find a proud person who's just in the background and doesn't say anything. You'll never find a proud person who is privately proud. No. Pride demands that I be noticed. Pride demands that you hear me. Pride demands that I be recognized. Pride demands that somebody give me some recognition for what I've done. Pride says I'd have to be out front. That's what pride says. Pride demands to be noticed. And we see here that this young man, the problem that he had is he felt like he wasn't getting the recognition that he deserved. I've been... Father, I've been working in the fields. I've not transgressed your commandment. I've not done anything wrong, and yet you never threw me a party. This is, this is not a good argument. This is a cry that says, you're not recognizing me. And because I'm not recognized, I don't want anyone else getting recognized. You know, the Bible says only by pride cometh contention. That means all disagreements, all conflict, all arguments, all are a result of pride. That's, that's what causes all of them is pride. You say, well, they were proud, not me. No, no, don't work that way. <laughs> this young man, because of his pride, said, I don't want anyone else to get recognized. You know why we have arguments and fights and disagreements? Because people are saying, I don't want anyone else to get recognized if I'm not getting recognized. Oh, man, wouldn't it do us good if we would just quit looking at ourselves and start looking at others? Here is a brother who was wasting his life, who has came back home, but the older brother cannot see it because he's more worried about, well, why didn't somebody recognize me? Pride cripples compassion. The older brother was blinded to his condition. Why was he blinded to his own condition? I believe he judged his own self righteous. You know, that's always a problem. Whenever I judge myself, Rather than allowing the Word of God to be my judge, I'm going to come up with a wrong verdict. Because when I judge myself, I'm pretty lenient. When I judge myself and I think of the things that I've done wrong, I'm pretty quick to forgive myself. I'm pretty quick to make an excuse. I'm pretty quick to come up with a reason why that didn't matter. And I'm judging myself as I'm not that bad. I'm really not a bad person. There's not that much wrong with me. And I'm judging myself as righteous. I'm saying, well, I'm okay. This is what he did. He judged himself as righteous. And although his error was right there in front of him, he's angry that his brother has came home. This is very obviously a wrong approach, he excuses it because he's being his own judge. You know what? There are people who come to church every week who are in need 
of salvation. Or they are a Christian who is in need of recommitting their life to the Lord. And they come to church every week and they hear the preaching. But instead of judging themselves by the Word of God, they judge themselves by their own standard and they deem themselves to be righteous and therefore they become blinded to their condition. And once they become blinded, it's nearly impossible for them to understand. We see that this older brother felt that he was righteous, but in reality he was just as far from the father as the prodigal was. When we read this story, he says, you never gave me a calf, and the father says, all that I have is thine. You never recognized me, son, thou art ever with me. We see that this older brother had no understanding of the father. You know what? There are folks who come to church who claim to be Christians who have no understanding of the Father. Let me just say to you this morning, coming to church isn't what gets you to heaven. Doing good deeds isn't what gets you to heaven. A relationship with the Father, that is what makes the difference. This young man was in the field. This young man was still at home, but this young man knew nothing about the father. It seems that the prodigal knew more about the father than the older son did. Because the prodigal in the hog pen said, I'm going to go back home to the father because he has bread enough and to spare. He knew a little bit about the father, but the older son had become so focused on proving himself that he knew nothing about the father. He was trusting in his own righteousness to gain favor with the father. Boy, this is good right here. He was trusting his own righteousness to gain favor with the Father. What did he present as the reason the Father should recognize him? I've worked every day. I've kept your law. You should recognize me, my righteousness. Father, you should recognize me for my righteousness. The prodigal son came home and said, I'm not worthy of your recognition. And the father said, that's what I'm looking for because all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is nothing we can do to merit the favor of God. What he wants us to do is humbly fall down before him and recognize that we're unworthy and he'll pour his love out on us. But this guy was trusting his own righteousness to gain favor with the Father rather than trusting the Father's love. Although the older brother may have appeared sincere, what drove him was what he could gain for himself. He wasn't driven by love for the Father. Here are two brothers, one sinful, the other self-righteous but both separated from the Father and in need of repentance. Real quickly, if we could, let's look back at the passage and we'll see the Father's response. Boy, I'm telling you what, I love this. The Father's response. Whenever you and I read this story, we have a tendency to pick favorites. Some of us can relate to the prodigal son. Others of us sympathize with the older brother. We, we pick favorites when we read this story, but the father didn't pick favorites. 
Now, it may have appeared to the older son that he was picking favorites uh, whenever he killed the fatted calf, but the father don't pick favorites, and I'll show you this here in the Word of God. We see that he loved both sons the same, and he exhibited the same desire for reconciliation for both of them. Sometimes we tend to pick and choose who we feel is worthy of redemption. We don't like to admit it, but we do. But the Father doesn't pick and choose. You walk into a, into a room and you think, I need to pass out some gospel tracts. And almost by default, you will give the tracts to the ones you think Jesus will save. We do it. But he don't, he don't have favorites. He don't, he don't play favorites. He, he will offer the same reconciliation to all. When I look at the older son, I see that the father responded with compassion. Look at verse number 28. This is speaking about the older son, and he was angry. The older son was angry and would not go in. How did the father respond? Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Now the servant could have came in and said, uh, Mr. Wealthy farm owner, your older son is outside. He's upset. He's not coming in because you're throwing this party. And he could have said, his loss, good food, tough luck. But no, no. Just as when the father seen the prodigal afar off and he ran and hugged him and greeted him, that same compassion, the servant came in and said, hey, Older son's outside. He's upset about this party. Father said, hey, can you, can you keep this thing going for a minute? I'll be back. That same compassion that made him run to the prodigal made him run to the self-righteous. God wants to save them all. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He came out and said, son, come on, son. Let's not be this way. He entreated him. We see that he responded with compassion, and then we see that he responded with clarification. In verse number 31, he says, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. The father was explaining to the son. He says, Son, because the son, just prior to this, in verse number 30, the son gives all the reasons why the father should have recognized him. And in verse number 31, the father says, Son, this relationship between you and I, it's not to be a works based relationship. Son, I love you whether you work in the field or whether you live in the hog pen. I love you the same. Son, I appreciate all that you've done here, but son, you don't have to earn my love. You've got my love. You don't have to give yourself tirelessly trying to do everything that you think I want you to do in order to get my love. Son, you've got my love. You don't have to pull long hours in order to get a fatted calf. All you got to do is let me know you need one. You have my love. You see, those who are self-righteous feel that they have found the better path and they slave their life away trying to appease God and gain his favor through their deeds when Jesus is saying the whole time, that's not what I'm asking for. I love you regardless of what you do. What I want you to do is accept my love. We see here that he clarified this is not something that's to be earned through your effort. Our relationship is one of love. You have access to all that is mine because I love you. Because I love you. 
Boy, many times we'll have a need in our life and we'll hesitate to ask the Lord about it. Now, it's good as Christians always check our heart and make sure that we're right with God. We're like, ah, I, can't, I, can't, I can't pray about that right now. Oh, yes, you can. Because what he has is yours because of his love for you. That's why it's yours. He said, son, let me clarify. Instead of working, stressing, and fretting over whether or not you're good enough to be recognized by God, why don't you benefit from his goodness and mercy out of relationship of love? This morning we see a story of two sons. One who left, one who stayed home, but neither who had a relationship with the Father. This morning I ask about you. Are you resting in His love? Are you under the bondage of trying to earn His favor through your own self-righteousness? Perhaps you are a Christian. Perhaps you have believed on the Lord. Perhaps you have trusted salvation. But you find yourself constantly still trying to earn his favor. You find yourself still trying to impress him. You find yourself still trying to prove your worth to God rather than trusting in his love for you. Now this can, this can be a little bit confusing. You say, what are you saying? I'm not supposed to live right? Oh, no, you are supposed to live right. But your flesh... And no matter how hard we try, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to stumble and fall. And if we're being driven by what I have to do, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. If I don't do these things, God don't love me. If I don't do these things, God won't hear me. If I don't do these things, God won't recognize me. And we put a bondage on ourselves that God never put there. We're to serve Him out of love. Oh my goodness, I love the Father. We sang that song, the trio sang that song, Thank You, Lord. I mean, I love the Father. I love what He does for me. I love how good He is to me. I love Him, but that don't mean I'm perfect. That's why He gives us 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is a love relationship. But the older brother was stuck in that rut of self-righteousness. Perhaps you've never trusted Christ, but you find yourself trying to obtain His mercy through your righteous deeds. Let me say this morning that whether you're a believer who's constantly trying to earn His favor or whether you're someone that's never accepted Christ who is trying to earn His favor, I believe both examples can be seen here in this story of the older brother. The question is, will you accept the Father's Will you begin to work on a relationship between you and the Father instead of focusing on what you can earn and what you can gain? Let's all stand to our feet. Miss Debbie's going to come to the piano. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior. Maybe you relate to the prodigal. You're the one that left and wasted your life. Perhaps you relate to the self-righteous. You stayed in the fields, but you're constantly trying to earn God's favor instead of building a relationship with Him. Whichever one you may be, if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, as Miss Debbie plays, you come.